Captain Emily, it has been determined in the course of the podcast wars that your podcast, Red Sharts, has been a casualty of the data destruction. You are to immediately take yourself to a disintegration server and remove all data in order to preserve. Otherwise, the Joe Rogan experience <gasps> will come and attack and it will red pill everyone in the audience. The Red Sharts will be ruined anyway. That is the calculation, and we don't want actual destruction. Therefore, you are required to digitally disappear in order to maintain podcasting peace amongst the realms. Well, you know, I am a podcaster with a with an advanced sense of duty. Uh, that's right, the duty kind of duty, because this is Red Shards. Uh, this that, episode. Yeah, fantastic opening. A taste. First off, Missy. A taste of Armageddon. Mm, Thank you very much. Just a smattering. Just a, a, a dash of, of destruction. Uh, a, a lick of an apocalypse. <laughs> a, let's see here. Uh, a, uh, oh, a total mouthfeel of total warfare. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> This is an interesting episode. I don't want to get too ahead of it, but the turn of this episode is revealed pretty early in terms yep. of what's happening. And it's very similar to a short story that I remember hearing a long time <gasps> ago. It is. And oh. I'm very curious if this plays into anything about the writing of it. But I've said enough. Oh, Captain Emily, please. Start us off on our journey here, as of you always course. do with your your uh, your bevy of facts that are so sh that are so destru the, the the power the <laughs> energy held within them could take out an entire city block, and mm. therefore it has been calculated that you need to release the facts onto our unsuspecting audience. Destroy them with knowledge. Destruction. Um, thank you so much, Missy. And I'm, uh, at the top, I'll apologize if I sound a little bit like Armageddon. <laughs> mm. Um, I am full of flu. Uh, Ooh. full of it. Just chalk to the brim with flu. It's the second week of flu. So, uh. <laughs> well, on my end, you sound as if you are an ambassador ready to negotiate a ceasefire that will never be because this is the way that it is. It will always yep. be constant warfare all the time. Constant in the grim darkness of the far future. 
there is only war. And in the grim darkness of our present, uh, we can look back on the dreams of a past that were a little more utopian. That's right. Today we're talking about A Taste of Armageddon, uh, where a Lisa Frank TM, Disintegration Station Love and Nation. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm only laughing because I had similar thoughts. Continue. Yes, it looks exactly, it looks like it was described, uh, just entirely designed by Lisa Frank. Uh, the colors in this episode are the best they've ever been. Pastel um, brutalism. Uh, yes. Uh, I love that description. Holy God. <laughs> um, but we get to see what total war would look like if run by 4chan and funded oh. <laughs> by landlords. Oh, 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 oh my God. Wow, uh, that's your best short description yet. You got it in there, all of it. Oh, thank you, thank you. Computers, uh, AI, it will yes. end us all, the simulations. Yep. What if reality was a simulation, Emily? And we all had to like just go for it and buy into it. Yep. Even if it meant suiciding boothing ourselves. Which apparently it will. Uh, so this is, of course, written by... Robert Hammer, uh, but mostly Gene Alcoon. This, again, is one of our, like, teleplay by someone and Gene Alcoon story by that other person, which we know that Gene Alcoon had to go in, and Stephen Carbazzos also did a big cleanup on this one. Um, we know that it, this is, a, this is a, a Gene Alcoon special, to a degree. You know, and see... Oh. This is not something I expected in our Red Shirts journey when we began with. I knew we had a gene, but yeah. like two genes. Two genes. When you two have genes. the power of two genes, two yep. genes, <laughs> you genes, you two genes, ha. a genius. But it's it, we get sort of like another good, the bad, and the ugly, which is when GL Kuhn sort of like now is doing the gene thing of, now, did he attach himself to the script in the sense of, oh, I want to take this over and put my name credit on it? Or did he actually just like take it over and go, no, I need to rewrite this to make it screen worthy? Um, a little bit of both. Mostly the second half. Not okay. that it wasn't screen worthy, more that it was entirely budget unrealistic. Okay. Um, so Robert Hammer, uh, Hamner. Uh, was a was a TV writer and a showrunner. Um, he mostly wrote for SWAT, which was a police procedural. Uh, but he had shown run his own show. He wrote for Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, um, and the story idea was his. Um, it was him uh, learning about a well. First off, um, last week you were like, "This is Cold War. You are so dear close, dear one. Um, you're a proxy war." Uh-huh, uh, because yes. this was a lot about napalm. Um, this oh. was one of the first times that there was publicized, uh, and this was used during the Vietnam War, um, pilots dropping loads of firepower and never having to see the destruction and that sort of feeling, as well as uh, what Hamner reports and I don't know if this is a real thing or just something that was sort of brought up and like talked about at that time uh, with wars. But the idea of a neutron bomb, a bomb that would kill that could kill people, but wouldn't cause property damage. And how fucked up that sounds. So like most sci fi, 
It's a great like, wow, that sounds pretty fucked up. I'm going to write a story about it. Uh, (laughs) Got to purge my system of this fear and make other people scared of it too. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And it really did have to be rewritten a lot. First off, just the general, like we need to make the character sound right. Um, But secondly, because this guy was like, Oh no, it's cool. Uh, let's just have them land on an alien world where robots do everything for the people. And we're going to walk a lot on the streets of this town, of this city, of this highly advanced future city with robot servants doing everything for everyone. Why don't we just take a ride in a bubble car from way outside the city into the city and get a nice look at everything as we go around. So it was one of those kinds of rewrites where like, they're like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is good mm-hmm. to get world building when work. It's sometimes there's stuff that's written just for the people who will read it up until it gets removed. And that way it's mm-hmm. like, you know, this is material we know. But then you sit down and you go, okay, now here we are in reality where we mm-hmm. have to make all this and build it. Have you seen what we're capable of? Yeah. Did you do you want to tell the story about the guy who wrote that thing where they journeyed into the center of a planet with uh what was it, a donkey or something yeah. like that? Do we want to yep. tell you his Finnegan, story? Finnegan's world. Yep. Or Finnegan's world. Finnegan's which world. Turned yes, into the, uh, shore leave. The mythical Irish uh classmate. The mythical Irish classmate and the elephant that never got on film. <laughs> Which is just the best. Um, But yeah, this was uh, a pretty, you know, besides the having to be like rewritten and sort of written around, um, this was a TV writer who had done the story by and all of that stuff. So he wasn't doing things like running to sci-fi magazines to cry about how his sci-fi vision wasn't being, you know, respected when they would do things like not have robot arms reach out from behind rocks and suck crew members into underground factories. He's like, I got my ideas, but I also know this is a process. This is going to go through some things. Yeah, especially as he said, as a showrunner. So he's literally done writing rooms or has been the person that's had to go to people and say, hey, can you rewrite this a little bit to, to fix this or smooth it out? I didn't get the comment in earlier, but if you had asked me to guess what type of show he had been a showrunner for, I would have guessed a police procedural. Yep. It's just, that's apparently, I hear about Westerns all the time in the 50s. Apparently yep. now I'm learning the 60s was full of just mm-hmm. cop shows, left and right. Lots of cop shows. Um, which, you know, I guess got us Gene Ronberry in the business mm-hmm. um, to a certain degree, because guess what? Good old boys clubs uh, they transfer credits. Did you know this? Did you know that if you're a good old boy cop, you can also be a good old boy producer Hollywood screenwriter thing? Probably same with politicians and yeah. every other fucking good old network. Uh, I don't, I don't want to get on the political hammer too early in the podcast. I don't want, I don't want to be a thing. But I do, I was the back of my head when i also thought about the police procedurals it's like yes mm-hmm. because after we won world war ii what did we do normalize tenets of the fascist state into our society yep. and made yep. them the heroes of our culture like yep. 
Sure. Okay. Like even like Star Trek, it's a military. They are a military. They are. Expedition. Like, yeah, they can threaten to blow up a planet and be like, that's within our prerogative. Yeah. And that was wild. So I really love this episode. Uh, This was directed by Joseph Pevney, um, who, of course, did Arena um, and many other, uh, uh, you know, incredible episodes. Um, I can say, this is the second time you've said an of of course to like a writer or director. I'm like, I don't fucking know these names off the top of my head. (laughs) And then you say, oh, they're from Arena. I'm like, I know Arena. I know that one. Okay. So no, I do know this person. (laughs) <laughs> yes, Pevney. Um, Pevney was one of the two guys. Him and Mark Daniels were basically like the directors. And there was apparently like drama that happens <gasps> in the second season. And I don't know about this because it happens in the second book in my series. Uh, these were the voyages. These are the voyages. You're saving the it because we're not there family. yet. We're not there yet. And we're because they don't have close. an audio version of it. Oh. They don't have an audio book version of it. I'll just so read I'm going to need to, yes, I'm going to need to get the hard copy, but I have to because he stopped showing up more in the second season. And this was just in a footnote on like uh, Memory Alpha online, um, just like a, a that says that this was in that book, that Joseph Pevney stopped showing up as much because he didn't like how the uh, actors were being on set. I believe it. I believe it. Remember all the times we've heard about these directors that were one and done because yeah. the cast didn't like them, but they were always the directors on the most fucking difficult scripts yeah. to direct. Ones where you have That's to go to true. Safari USA or you have to like be making changes because the the writer was making shit up as he went along toward the you know and these and then they're like, oh, this director sucks. He's so terrible at not being able to handle other people's mismanagement. Maybe they mm-hmm. were bad directors. I'm not trying to knock them. Right. But the fact that you every single yeah. story about a bad director you've said always starts with mm-hmm. the cast didn't like him. The cast didn't like him. And the script no... was wild and out. They were rewriting the script as they were shooting. Yeah, like... and it, it's stuff like that where you're like, I mean, the guy sounds like he was dealt a raw, like a bad hand. A raw hand is what I was about to say. He just was given a raw severed hand. And he's like, what yeah. do I do with this? No, just he was dealt a, a, like... a bad hand and wasn't able to play it out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and to a degree, it really does... I, I at least feel like that with Joseph Hevney, and I'm so I'm so curious. I will report back when I know. But let's get into this episode because we are already Please. stepping so dangerously close to the entire premise. Um, to the precipice of to disaster. The precipice of disaster, and I do appreciate how quick this episode gets into shit. So we open on the bridge as we approach the planet. MNR7 to open diplomatic relations. Uh, and onto the bridge walks Ambassador Fox, who has a stick up his ass and his face looks like a slice of bread. Did you also see this, Missy? <laughs> yeah, I looked him up because I'm like, is this just a, someone I should know or the most generic looking white guy I've ever yeah! seen? <laughs> like, I really was like, what do I, should I know who this person is? Cause he looks like he just has a face of anyone, like any char- vague character actor from who in their fifties in the fifties who had a sort of round face. That's just sort of bland and like featureless. Yep. Yeah. Just it, like, and like flat too. Like he, yeah. he looks more like a flat faced cat than a man. Yes, but here, <laughs> I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. 
I prefer having people like that on screen than everyone in the cast having to be beautiful and gorgeous, yes. like a lot 100%. of TV production does now. So, because he I'm looks not... different from other humans, yes. I'm able to tell him apart. I'm able to say that's Breadman. We don't have to play who is this with you. You know, Breadman. Yeah. Breadman. It's the bread ambassador. So, the bread ambassador walks in and he's just like he's impatient. He's like, have we heard from the planet yet? Have we heard from them? I'm I'm waiting to hear from them. Well, have we heard back from them yet? And of course, like the second he gets there, Uhura's like, yes. <laughs> we have heard from the planet. And furthermore, we are getting back a single code, 710, which is the stay the fuck away code. Yeah. It's the under no fucking circumstances approach this planet. Like, this is the most danger. Do not fucking approach. And Ambassador Fox is not deterred at all. He's just like, sweet, we're hearing from them. That means we're moving forward. And everyone on the bridge, they should have done one of the shots like in uh, the Corbermite maneuver where they're going really fast. And he's like, warp eight. And everyone's like, (gasps) they'll turn and look. Um, So there really should have been one of those moments, but there wasn't. He's like, sweet, let's go forward. Um, And everyone's like, excuse us, no. Mm-hmm. Excuse us, did you not just hear? No, no, seven ten. Means, seven ten means means stay away. Maybe maybe it you means, got confused. Mm, it means stay away. Mm, you no, know that's mm, not ambiguous. Nope. See, no. Uh, but he's like, thousands of people are dying every year when they pass through this system. We, I am to open up diplomatic relations with them under any circumstances. Like it is more important than the lives of everyone on this ship. And this ship itself. We need to go in. And so Kirk sits down at his chair. He hits the yellow alert button. Because we all know there's three buttons on that chair. And he goes, we're going in, guys. We all heard the 710, but we're going in. Peaceful or not, we're going in. Kirk obeying the order of command. Peaceful or not, they're going in. And in his memoir, uh, Beam Me Up, Scotty, uh, James Dewan describes... Uh, Mr. Slice of Bread, who is Gene Lyons, being out of his element and completely discombobulated during filming. Um, <laughs> it apparently took him a lot of takes to get these lines right, and he's real pissed when he's giving them, so I could see him being really annoyed with himself at the point at which we got him saying them right. You know, it was just character. It was just him getting into character, and he had to like deconstruct himself and annoy himself exhaustion so he could play yep. this diplomat who's an exhausted ah. person. Yeah. Um, apparently, they had to have him speak off screen for a bit uh, for a lot of these shots, which isn't something I noticed during the episode, uh, but there was a lot going on in this episode. Um, so, it, so it worked. He thinks that it might be because it was sci-fi, He's like, the only thing I can think of is that it's a sci-fi show and that threw him off because uh, the so guy's he, an experienced actor. Like, so he was just looking around being like, what What are these two dads? Thought? Why is everyone dressed? Why am I in this? What am I wearing? <laughs> What's all why, the beeps? Why? I'm very confused. <laughs> there's so many noises. Well, of course there wouldn't be noises, but there's so many noises. I have to keep referencing numbers and planet names that aren't real planets. I don't know. <laughs> Space, the final frontier. So, before anything happens, Spock lets us know the facts. Amini R7, uh, it was contacted for the first time 50 years ago. They were at war with another planet in their system. 
Vindicar, which is a wonderful name for anything. Great name. Great name Great for name. a for a for a perspective of our yeah. protagonist, a, an antagonistical oh, planet. Right? Vindicar. Vindicar. Oh, yeah. Amazing. You would um, want to wage war with them. Yeah. Um, they're a spacefaring system, and usually when a planet can go into space, like out of they they're warp, they're able to get like quickly. Usually when that happens, the people on that planet are trying to contact other people almost mm-hmm. immediately. It's not hard to miss the Federation. They're, they're not usually seven ten yeah. They're not usually seven ten yeah. Uh the Federation usually like knows what's going on by that point. Um, but they haven't made any attempt to leave their system or get in contact with anyone else. Um, and furthermore, the Federation ships actually stopped in 50 years ago. That's, that's how they got that chat. And that ship disappeared. No idea yeah. where they are. So very uh, return of the archons. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see we're like ooh like a ship was here wasn't here this is a formula we're gonna see a lot and or, it fucking works or even in uh, I can't remember now I can't remember the name of the episodes that wrapped around it but the cage where they're investigating uh, yes, Lost Crew yes the menagerie previously. yes the menagerie yes 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 yes, yes. Um, so Kirk's like sweet we're going to beam down to the planet, figure shit out, and then we'll bring you down, Mr. Fox. And Fox is like, what? I cannot wait a single second to open diplomatic relations. I got to get on the goddamn fucking planet. Otherwise, what the fuck am I doing here? I travel all this way not to go down. And Kirk's basically like, we're just going to like clear the path because if these people are seventening us because they're hostage, <laughs> do you, we maybe don't want you to die, yeah, Mr. Like, Diplomat. And I'm going to risk that first. It's my orders yeah. to keep you alive. Your orders are to open diplomatic relations. My orders are to not have them kill you on site. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the party members, I have to point this out because simply in terms of the diversity of Star oh, Trek. yes, exactly. I was shocked, not like shocked, like, oh my gosh, shocked, but like surprised, like, oh my gosh, there was an Asian female yes. who was part of the crew. And, like, just someone we never met before. And, like, okay, she's got it here. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, cool. We get to meet someone new. And it's not just another bland. It's not yeah. another bread face exactly. person that's walking up in here. Exactly. We, uh, we, our landing party consists of two random dudes who I don't remember. And I did not recognize when they were wearing different costumes later in the episode. <laughs> I was really confused. I, I think like, I had that what? moment, too. <laughs> And um, Miko uh, Mayama as Lieutenant or Yeoman Tam- uh, Tamara. Uh, so I guess that was David L. Ross as Galway. Um, and I have another question before we head down to the planet, which, of course, you know, they leave it in the hands of Scotty. And he has a great line of a Gene L. Coon special. Have a Bonnie trip. Lovely. Oh, Lovely. my God. Lovely. Have a bunny trip, Captain. Uh, <laughs> so we we head down to the planet. Um, oh, you said you had a question. Oh, I had a question. Did you recognize anyone else on the bridge? Oh. Did anyone else stick out to you on the bridge? I honestly did not look that hard. I'm going to admit. I, no, no one recognized. Uh, no one that I recognized right away as being like, oh, that's blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We see someone sitting in the front, a uh, Lieutenant DePaul. Um, 
And I, I did notice the name DePaul. Yes. Um, but you didn't recognize the face at all. That's fine. Because that face, you might recognize it more if it was covered in latex. I was literally about to say, is this the role they gave yes! the person who was under the makeup of Captain Pike? Because you mentioned yes! it got cast <laughs> on makeup in a role later on. That's amazing. Yes. Yep. I Now that you say that, because mm-hmm. the face you just look like, it, it looks wasn't like, like it was familiar, handsome but face. I was like, oh, someone new is up here. Yeah. And he had like just a very, yes, like yeah. a, it was a handsome face. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, okay. New. I just assumed, you know, extra person that just filled in because in these first season, you will see one and done people yes. just out of command because someone's gone and then they're never in the show again that you know of. They're just like, we cannot afford any of our B-team this episode. So it's Lieutenant DePaul instead of uh, Sulu. Um, I do not know if that's why that specifically happened. But yeah, that's uh, Sean Kenny. Um, And the reason I knew it was him is because I heard about it, of course, but I was looking for a guy who looked like Jeff Hunter. Yeah. Our beautiful landing party, uh, they beam down. Onto a beautiful matte painting created by Albert <laughs> yes. Whitlock. Oh, the mattiest of paintings. Gorgeous. And it's a, a whole city. They're like, it we is can't Walt give Disney's you. wet dream. It is yes. the retrofuturism of a mid-century modern that I've ever seen. Yes. This is the last painting in the series into which they inserted live actors. So this sort of process that they did where it's like you can see people kind of walking in front of it, uh, like our our crew. Um, It it looks too bad. This this doesn't look good enough. Let's not do that. Yeah. And we're going to see this mat again uh, in another episode. I can't wait. Um, So after beaming down to this beautiful city, they all turn around to amazedly examine the plain wall behind them. Because they're definitely. Because then we have to go to an actual set. Yeah, because then we have to be on a place. Uh, so they're all like looking at this beige wall, which is really fun. Um, but that's when we see May 3. May 3 walks up. She's, you know, ex- escorted by a bunch of her, her dudes in these great hats. She is in black tights with like a. Bunch of fabric sort of wrapped around her almost sorry style, uh, but with the titty people were on set, I am sure. I'm sure, but oh They're my looking God. for side boob. This Everyone's girl was outfits. gorgeous. She's too. gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Blonde. Everyone in this episode Blue was like dressed in, it's like my mind palace somehow yes. leaked into the design of this. Just fantastic, like bodysuits with like, uh, uh, sashes going across mm-hmm. them. Everyone was in a hat that like lots of billowing fabric, billowing yes colors. Uh, the hats that like they're like a square of fabric, and you put them on, it mm-hmm. looks like there's yep. fins coming up yep. from their fucking heads. Like a pastel paradise. It just was yes. yeah. Um, so she is walking with her guys. This is Barbara Babcock. Did you recognize her voice? Not her voice, but her name sounds familiar. Uh, it should because uh, 
If you cannot take care of your pets, you will not be permitted to make any more planets. Uh, this is the mother from the squa uh, okay. Square of Gothos. There it is. Um, so she's also a voice in a number of different uh, episodes. She uh, had a great okay. voice, yeah. so I'm not surprised. Um, but she walks up with her guy. She's like, oh, okay, they're going to be beaming down right there. Um, and she's like, hi, I'm here to greet you all. Also, you're in grave danger and we told you not to come here. Yeah. Like, just not even beating around the bush. She's like, "We're you're in grave danger. We told you not to come here, but like, welcome. Come on in. Be, we're not going to be rude to you. You are guests. You're coming to visit. We are going to be hospitable, but yeah. you made a big error. Yeah. Like, and, but Kirk is on a fact-finding mission, and he's pissed off this episode. He's already angry. He starts this episode at, like, masculinity level nine. Like, yeah. he's about to have, like, uh, an Alex Jones masculine <sighs> wet dream of a explosion. It's So he's like, why didn't you want us to come here? I was under orders to come here. Why didn't you want it? And she's like, we're at war. Also, you need to go talk to the high council. Like, thank you for showing up, first off, where our high council is. Kudos. Uh, but now I need to introduce you to daddy. I need to introduce you to daddy. And daddy, of course, is in r slash poll. It's Anon7. His name yes. is Anon7. And I, 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 they kept saying An Anon. And I'm like, no, stop, please. I can't take this. Right? Right? The fucker's name is Anon Seven. Also, how many leaders' daughters do we right? do exist in this universe that all conveniently are the ones that are sent or run into our crew members that mm -hmm. are? It, it, I, okay, it's like I, fine, fine, fine. Um, it's Mister Fortune himself, Anon Seven. They walk into this big old hall where these bigwigs are sitting at a table and we get the we get the deal. They tell us the deal of this episode. It's fantastic. Kirk's like, "Hi, we would like to uh, establish diplomatic relations if you please." And Anon's like, "We cannot do that because we are at war. And furthermore, war's happening right now. Like Learn you shouldn't have come moment. here. A bomb just went off in this city. Like I have, like, they actually get up, they have to go over to computers because an attack is happening at that moment. Um, they see, like, big things going off on this, like, map, and May's like, oh, fuck, like, a hit right in the city. And our crew is just baffled. They're like, we hear nothing. We hear no war. Hey, Scotty, do you see war? And he's like, I see no war. I see no fusion bombs. I see nothing. No yeah. war is happening. Um, and unfortunately brings up a lot because in America, we're hearing a lot about wars happening right now that are bad and they sound bad no matter where you are. So <laughs> when I was a child, I didn't really like feel this moment the way I do now as an adult, like able to see fucking like cell phone footage of oh, like social yes. media of just people in war zones as it's happening like there was no war happening yeah yes and the the weird disconnect it feels 
to be like, okay, you're telling me all of that a million that three million people just died. Yeah. And I hear no war. Like you gotta explain your shit. Um, and Anon's like there is very much a fucking war happening. They turn around and we see Anon Seven and his buddy uh looking at a map and we see a bomb thing go off in like a blue area and they're like fuck just like 50 years ago Ooh, what happened 50 oh, years oh, ago that's when a ship came here Anon turns uh, around oh. and he's like a bunch of people just died they all have 24 hours to report to disintegration chambers where they will be killed because this computer has marked them as having been killed by these bombs and furthermore uh your ship got hit just now so we learn so much in these few moments yes one that it's they are yes they're living in a simulated war literally where the computers say this attack happened it was this and weapon. this much damage would have been done. These people but rather died. than have actual damage, we will just agree to kill mm-hmm. that many people. And then yep. we'll launch a counter-strike, and then they'll get the message, yeah. and their simulation will figure it out, and then they'll agree they're going to kill that many people over there too. Mm-hmm. And it's to and the we point. keep the numbers going, yeah. and we monitor it so everyone knows, and so that way we make sure that this, this lottery that we've been doing yeah. for a while has You're- gone through absolutely right how it does feel like the lottery we should get into the lottery real quick the short story the lottery yeah for those of you who for some reason didn't have any english class ever or like me (laughs) was given that story by my youth pastor at with no context we like had to talk about it and then discuss what it meant afterwards and here's the thing is but it was like christian you're the Christian and like people might try to martyr you <gasps> and like you have to stand up for your beliefs and like stay firm even if it means but that's like not what, what would you be willing to go story. exactly that's the fucked up thing or it's like <laughs> oh if we get to a place in society where we just like or we just go along with things would we you know go along if if society just said to it was like the weirdest mixed messaging I've ever heard for it and I remember reading that story and like kind of being horrified by yeah. it, but then also just being like, okay, I don't think it's that deep. Like y'all are really freaking out about this in a way that I don't, it's just like, I'm not, yeah. but it did unsettle me, especially yeah. just at the end when the person is persistent that, so story of the lottery, mm-hmm. it's set. It's like a village or wicker man situation where there's a harvest uh, every year and they do a lottery and essentially what happens is they narrow it down from like town to person or to town to village to family. like um, family to individual. Mm-hmm. And this one woman is protesting basically the whole time being like, I think this is silly. We should stop doing it. And of course she's the one whose name is pulled and her like own family like picks up the stones and, pick, and you learn at the very end, the lottery means that they're going to get killed yeah. and there's a sacrifice to ensure they have a good harvest. Mm-hmm. And so that's why she's been protesting the whole time. And, but you again, you don't get the reveal to the end. So for me, I was like, Oh, we're learning up front that we're in a lottery. That's yeah. not a reveal. This is just yeah. straight up telling you you're in a lottery and mm-hmm. also your ticket got pulled. Yes. So, but Kirk, you're fine. Your entire yes. ship, though, got hit by a satellite. Just like a satellite blew up, and it took out your ship. Yes, and we need, 
everyone to beam down in an orderly fashion and walk into disintegration chambers. Kirk is like, Within your people. Within 24 hours. Yeah. And he's like, your people willingly walk into disintegration chambers. And he's like, we have a high sense of duty. Yes, we do. My wife was killed in an attack, like, just a couple months ago. Like, it isn't even, like, it is It is a computer war that has been going on for 500 years. This isn't a Hunger Games situation where the very elite get to avoid all of those mm-hmm. consequences. This is an entire... Like every single person is affected by this total war, but only by death and by the people that they love dying. I don't know if you literally just said this because I was taking a drink Mm. and my mind shut off, but the commander's wife also like, or the leader planet, she, he just said like, Oh, just last week, my wife was a target and died. And so he's like, no one escapes from this. Yeah. Like it's everywhere. Um, I told you guys. I told you you were in fucking mm-hmm. danger. That's why we have the seven ten alert, you dipshits. Yeah. Um, apparently, this all even happens automatically. So, Anon says, we have a high conscience of duty, Captain. And Spock says, there is a certain scientific logic about it. To which Anon's like, I'm glad you approve. And Spock's like, I do not approve. I understand. Like, let's get it fucking clear, which I loved that moment. So, so many Mr. great sassy moments from Spock this episode. Fortune dude's like, you get it right. He's like, I get why you think you get it, yeah. but I don't get, I'm not like a part of this. There is straight up. I have a, I have a deep locked in core memory of the internet as a young person. I was not allowed anything social on the internet, but I was allowed to look at Star Trek fan sites. And there was a site where you could hit a little refresh button and it would show you a picture of a character and a quote. And a lot of the quotes were from this episode. And that is one of them, as well as some other ones that are just burned in my mind forever. So. I have a friend of mine, his thing in college was, he was the number one person on the Name That Frame Futurama (gasps) website. Where it just showed, showed a single frame and he had a name episode and he was like the leader of it. That's Because he amazing. watched it so much. It was, which is like such a specific narrow know, thing right? to be like of it. But I was like But legit, I kind of like, want to be his friend actually though. kind of cool. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of really cool. Same friend that introduced me to Drag Race when oh. my gay roommate couldn't get me into it. Because oh. I'm like, oh, you know my taste. We've been roommates in, or we were roommates in college. Mm-hmm. So he's known me like, he knew yeah. Missy before Missy was, but even before she, who she was. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, So the whole landing party, they're put into a very fancy room. Everything on this planet, not only is it just like brutalist architecture with pastel colors just mm-hmm. all over the place lit up. Um, it's but, like ge- which is it's like geometric angles. Yeah. It's like very like everything has an uh, an edge, an yes. angle to it. Nothing is circular or smooth. And all so that's the, what we kind yes. of mean by the brutalism of it all. Absolutely. Um, and it uh, the stuff on the walls, it all feels like a modern hotel, or like a like a corporate lobby. Yes, where everything's oh, yes. boring. But a lot of the decor in this room is upside down crosses with like branches and shit stuck to them to make them look yeah. less like crosses i think yeah <laughs> so that was great um but 
the landing party is put in this room. They are now hostages. Uh, May three comes and she's like, hi, do you guys need anything? Like, yes, you're hostages, but like, do you want some water or we're tea? Not, we're, not a, or like, we're not a barbaric civilization, you know, yeah. just part of our deal. And Kirk is just like, do you not value your life? Like, what the fuck is this? Like, like Kirk cannot even. He has arrived on this planet that he did not want to go into the thing of, and they immediately tell him that every everyone on his ship is going to die. And he's... And she, she's like, oh, yeah, no, this is what we do. Yeah. I also got selected, so, like, I got to yeah. go sign up within 24 hours. Like, I don't know yeah. what you're whining about. She's like, yeah, I have been declared a casualty. I am about to walk into a disintegrator and... I like this system because without this system, both of our civilizations would die. Everything yeah. would be destroyed. And it's like, well, hmm. And that's something Kirk pointed out earlier, or maybe in this moment, because they're basically talking about how can war exist if yes. you have this society that's this beautiful, yes. that's this built up. Like, Peaceful, this is not, orderly. yes, this is not a society that's been at war for 500 years. It looks like a fancy hotel. Like, y- you know? Can't possibly. Um, meanwhile, Anon Seven has used a, do- a voice duplicator to approximate Kirk's voice, but this is just shown by him talking and Kirk's voice coming out. So yes. we don't see that a computer has been used. But he calls the Enterprise and he's like, "Hey, everyone! Like, come on down! Like, they want to give you shore leave. Everything's I, so wonderful I, I, here." <laughs> I assume the device that he's talking into yeah. is transmogifying it. But yeah, no, it's funny because it is just basically like, they want us to come down. Every single crew member needs to leave the ship. And don't worry, they're going to send some people yeah. up to cover it and make sure we're yeah. good. And Scotty's like, okay, Captain. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, yep. Captain. Yes, The sir. moment the call's done, he's like, computer, run analysis. This is bullshit. The computer's like, yes, this is 98% chance of being bullshit. And Scotty's like, yeah, I knew it. We're not fucking go down there. Order every single crew member to stay on this ship no matter yep. what they hear. Do not go down to the planet. Yes. We are assuming that Kirk is being held hostage and that they got him and they want us to. Exactly. Scotty is on top of it. He super is. Um... Scotty also, I don't want to do it, but oh, Scotty, gets a, he gets a star date update. That's how much yes! in charge he is later yeah. on. Yeah, he's super in charge. By this point, everyone working there had fallen in love with James Doohan, and they're just like, you know, we all want him doing stuff as much as possible because uh, he's fantastic. Um, <laughs> so meanwhile, on the surface, uh, we get to see a new power-up from Sister Spock. And yeah. it's a wonderful one, one that will be uh, talked about, uh, you know, mused on by Christopher Nolan in many years. It's Inception. That's right. He can telepathically incept an idea into the guard's mind outside of his cell. And Kirk just drops it like, hey, you Vulcans can do like that mind stuff, right? And and Spock's like, well... Might be a little bit difficult, but sure, Sometimes. I'll try. And, and the way he does it is putting his fingers and hands on the wall yep. and just slowly, like he's a stud finder. Yes. Just moving <laughs> them across, waiting for some sort of connection, just like going up and down, being like, can I feel this out? And, oh, no, let me go back a bit. Nope, I'm going to go forward. And, oh, there's the hit. There's the hit. So he incepts the guard who's like, oh, I got to check out what's going on in the room, uh, comes in, and of course, everyone's ready for him. They're able to jump him. 
grab the disruptor. Incept is, I love that Incept is a verb because it's so true. I didn't even make that connection, but it literally is what he's doing. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, so they're like, sweet, we've got a disruptor, which is one of the big guns that they have on this planet. Um, and they're running around the fucking division of control. They run into a disintegration station where May 3 is about to walk on in grab her by the arm and they're like hey guess what everyone fuck no and they destroy the disintegration (laughs) station kirk is like hey let's go over here and they're like oh why what's happening and he goes pew pew and then it blows up and they're like what did you do and there's all these suicide moves there's all these people sort of wandering the halls in these like fantastic outfits like these super colorful outfits just like waddling around this was the scene where I was just like, this is me. This is my mind. Yes. I love these. And it, it was like blues and greens and yes. purples and pinks and also flowy. But they look, I, they all looked like they were a bit of simpletons. Just one. They looked like NPCs that yes. were just going between the halls. So They're when like another, yeah. When another human being interacted with them, they were basically like, oh, I, am I supposed to react and, and respond oh, to these oh, things? Oh, I'm oh. very confused. It was oh, so funny. Oh, um so in response uh in of course the control room anon seven is there watching everything happen on his on his chat room Mm -hmm. and he's like fuck find Mm -hmm. him and shoot the fuck out of the ship just start shooting things at the ship now we're now we're just gonna go real real war tactics so scotty is like haha now they're shooting at us. Thank fucking God I still have the screens up. Um, but, and he's like, oh, fuck. Like, we've been attacked. We are, we're going to have to send some photon for t- torpedoes at these guys. Like, they're shooting yep. at our ship. They're trying to trick us down. Fuck, what are we going to do? But Ambassador Fox has walked onto the bridge, and he has overheard this savvy planning by Scotty. And is like, whoa, I am here. To open diplomatic relations. We're not shooting fucking anyone. Open up a communications channel. I'm sure there's been a mistake. <laughs> so uh, he's like, and, and furthermore, do not fucking retaliate whatsoever. And Scott has a yes. great line. Diplomats. The best diplomat I know is a fully activated phaser bank. Oh. Again. <laughs> They're a military presence. They are. You can solve anything with a boom, boom, bang. And uh, apparently, and of course, I, I, it's probably in James Dune's book if it's real. Um, but I've seen this a couple places on the internet that something like this actually happened to him when he was serving, where a commander was like, hey, you need to do a thing. And he's like, I know that this thing is going to cause our own people to die. I refuse to do this oh, thing. And the guy's like, girl, you should do this thing. And he's like, fuck no, I'm not doing the thing. And then later they were like, good job, James doing good job for not doing the thing. Um, which is badass. Uh, so Kirk brings May 3 and everyone right back to the same room they just escaped from. He's like, they'll never yep. look for us here. Um, <laughs> which is pretty funny um and they reveal now they have two aminiarian uh uniforms which 
our other two dude members of the landing party get into, at which point I stopped recognizing them. I was like, did Spock just telepathically take over those dudes? I think it's like, did I blink during a scene that I that I missed them getting dressed? I think the fact yeah. that they just walked in with it, I was just sort of like, oh, they've like gotten two people and they've, you know, have them hostage or whatever. And it's like, oh no, wait, no. those are those people. Yeah, we have oh. seen this before. Oh, those are those dudes. Um. <clears throat> And Kirk is basically like, okay, May, we brought you here because we need your help. You need to tell me where the war room is and you need to get me communicators to get in touch with the ship. It's going to take us a while to use these communicators, like the planetary communicators, to get in touch. You need to help us. I want to Mm -hmm. stop the fighting. I want to stop all of the violence. But May is just not responding. Her sense of duty is just too high she's basically like i can't believe that i'm still alive i am past due yes for my disintegration and i am just ugh. can we get this over with please and she makes the argument that like if she were to not report then other people wouldn't report and then their quotas would be behind and then a real war would happen and this was in response to uh the vietnam draft and sort of questions that were going on at the time about draft dodging um interesting so meanwhile in the council room and on seven and his cronies are freaking the fuck out about how they need to kill everyone on this earth ship as fast as possible and they're down a disintegration chamber yeah they're basically so we're down disintegration chamber we're getting behind on our quota like we can't if we keep this up the vendor cars are going to start asking questions like because they're going to notice we're behind and it doesn't matter if one of our disintegrators is down so we gotta and and basically it's like the leader is basically like i'm at a loss of what to do yep i don't i don't i don't know i really don't know y'all this is too much for me yeah he straight up says like because they noticed that the earth ship ambassador fox has opened up a phone line and he says, what is the great immorality, open honesty or a deception which may save our lives? Put me through to the Earth ambassador. It's in. He's like coming at this. He is a moral creature. He is a creature of moral philosophy. But he's from a society where they are in a 500 year long war and people just are expected to report to disintegration chambers. Like what does moral logicking look like from that perspective and so in that way he's better than the or he's better off i suppose than the people on uh landrew's world uh oh yes return yes. of the archon's planet where they're just like oh no we're fucked uh, yeah <laughs> which is great so uh he does decide on deception um, the bread-faced man opens he, he a He rolled his deception check on it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, so, like, we're here to establish friendly relations, but you attacked our ship, and now I hear you have some of our friends hostage. What's going on with that? Mm. Mm. And Anon's like, oh my god, we're so sorry. We're at war, and we made a mistake. We absolutely did not mean to hit your ship. Like, we, your captain is a guest here, of course. Uh, of course. And in fact, you should just, like, beam down. Like maybe you and everyone should just like beam down like right away. All like of you all of should you? come down. You know the exact same message that I tried to deliver you in your in your captain's voice earlier. 
Um, but Fox has this fucking shit eating grin. He's looking at Scotty and he's like, <laughs> diplomacy, gentlemen, should is a job that should be left for diplomats. <laughs> you, of course, immediately take the shields down. And Scotty's like, under no circumstances. Oh, no. no fucking way. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, the diplomat's like, see, we got us a deal where they're going to let us all come down peacefully. And Scotty's like, you absolute moron and so is the doctor so is mccoy mccoy is there too being like they are going to they are actively trying to kill us yeah right now you idiots they shot at us they have our captain hostage they tried to trick and us. they're asking us to just like just walk down yeah. with uh you know weapons out of hand and be like hello hello, hello. um so they yell about it. McCoy is like, we're f- fuck. You really did it this time. You're going to get court-martialed. Mm-hmm. And Scotty says, I, the haggis is in the fire for sure. <laughs> but I'll not I lower my, de- they, yeah. The haggis is somehow like, always managed to make him the most Scottish. Yep. I can't handle it. And I love it. I love Scotty. And he says, I'll not lower the, my defenses on the wor- word of that mealy-mouthed gentleman down there. And he, so apparently, David uh, Opat... I did not try to pronounce this name before now. I apologize. Opatshu. Uh, David Opatshu is the person who plays in on Seven. And okay. he's... Uh, in a feasible study, a show in 1964 or a movie, David Opachu plays a character named Ralph who tells his wife, "Stop saying it. Stop saying really, Ralph. It sounds like you're calling me Mealy Mouth." So that's like a famous line, where he's like, "Stop calling me Mealy Mouth." So, so Scotty called him. Star Mealy Trek Mouth. fans will connect. Yep. anything they can they're like an english word exists they also <laughs> said this english word and a completely unrelated project that this person it's like seven degrees yep. of mealy mouth that they just did there i mean it is a fact it's not untrue but i just love yep. that someone made they're like oh my god i remember <gasps> i mean to be fair i called out a random actor as being from willy wonka and the chocolate factory so i get it like that was unconnected in our in a previous episode so yeah i, I i'm that person too but it's fantastic. Uh, I fucking love Star Trek. So uh, Scotty and McCoy are like, no. Uh, nope. Court martial me if you want. Fox is like, sweet. Will do. Bye. See you later. And leaves the bridge. Meanwhile, Kirk has finally found the horrible chat room that Anon 7 is hiding in. And they need to have a masculinity off. They need to <sighs> be the most masculine at each other. So like they need to out logic, out pour, out like yeah. Ugh, they their cojones yes. are swollen. swollen. It is oh my god. Like first, Anon has this cool thing where he's like taking a sip from a glass and he doesn't even turn around. He's like, "Hello, Captain. Would you like to join me for a drink?" Uh, wow, how cool! It's like he knows it's, that that someone's there. Like Kirk thought that he had the upper hand. Um. But he's like, so you totally destroyed that disintegration chamber? And Kirk's like, yeah, I did. And he's like, ah, you are a barbarian. Uh, And Kirk's like, I am. And he's like, don't sound so incredulous, Captain. Of course you are. We all are. A killer first, a builder second, a hunter, a warrior, and let's be honest, a murderer. 
that is our joint heritage, is it not? So again, a little insight into this guy. He believes that war and violence is inherent yeah. in existence. But Kirk has to and, be and more masculine. I well, and I always forget every once in a while that these are humanoids, but they're not technically humans. They are humans. It's not directly, oh. it's not explained directly until way later whether or not all of these humanoids, and not all of the humanoids that we see are humans, but for the most part. How could part, they be humans from 500 years beforehand? Ho, 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 ho. Missy, you ask a question that is answered in one of the most honestly like racist as fuck episodes <gasps> in i think the third season um but oh no but the okay, sci-fi okay, okay. behind it all don't, you've heard the sci-fi don't. behind it all it's just they are okay. human beings it's just like the idea okay. being that they are you know how did humans get all over the galaxy we don't know but we will know uh okay okay Honestly, the answer isn't the racist part. It's the whole episode around it is just really, really racist. Um, okay. It's a lot of like Native American face. Um, it's like, oh, this Ooh. early uncontacted civilization. And they're just a um, a false fantasy of Native American society. And it's weird. Okay. But that's not for a couple seasons, um, I think. I'm pretty sure. It's either next season or the season after. <laughs> so, Kirk has to be real masculine here. And he's like, I'm not interested in discussing our differences. You don't realize the risk you are taking. And on when we make war, when I make war, when I masculine man make war, I don't yeah. order people to walk into disintegration chambers. We wreak real damage. Like He's like... Okay, I tried to speak softly with a big stick. Mm -hmm. Now I'm just going to speak bigly with a big yeah. stick. He says, Councilman, I could destroy this planet. And Anon's like, why do you think I don't let you talk to your ship? I'm a manly man. I'm not so frightened by your threats. And Kirk says, I don't need the ship for that. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, Kirk. Anon's like, you mean all by yourself with a disruptor? You can destroy this planet. This feels so much like a 4chan conversation. It yep. feels like it is happening on fucking- Yeah, bro. Earth. I could totally take them out if I wanted yeah. to. Yeah, really? Do it then. Well, yeah, maybe I fucking will. Like he, okay. He literally does. He says, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> and Anon's yep. like, I had no idea you were so formidable. <laughs> but he's like, you seem to think I'm joking. Mm, give me the communicators. So- Anon's like, fine, I'll tell you where they are. And he's like, sweet. Yeah. Uh, Kirk pushes him out of the room first to sort of get a jump on the guard that is outside. Um, but there are two guards outside. Everyone fights and they eventually knock Kirk out and they drag him into the council room. Anon's like, mm, pity that he's alive. A man like that would have would have preferred to die fighting. What do you yeah. know about dying fighting, Anon? When people die on your planet, it's because they walk into a disintegration chamber. Yeah. You don't, you, you literally gave up the, like any remnant of a yeah. fight. Um, so we see Ambassador Fox beaming down. Uh, 
only for immediately Emin, uh, Anon Seven's like, oh, hey, sweet, we're going to kill you. You have been declared a casualty. Yeah. Um, He's like, oh, yeah, you were up on top of the ship. Y'all blew up in our simulation. Thanks for coming down. And the ambassador is like, wait, and what? He's just like, what? Wait, what? I am, I am from the Federation of Planets. This is the first time we hear like the Federation of Planets and like the names for those things. Uh, all yeah. Janelle Coon. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, Spock's on the case. He has finally got been able to get in touch with the ship, um, and learns from Scotty that the Poppin' Jay himself. Ambassador Fox, he calls, he's like, oh, that Poppin' J Fox just beamed down. Because, of course, Spock, he loses no time. He's like, hello, Scotty. No one is to beam down. <laughs> like, most important information first. They will kill you all. Um, and Spock's like, cool. Great. Fantastic. I'm going to go save that stupid motherfucker. And he mm. leaves the room and he tells the yeoman, uh, Tamara, he's like, Watch this lady, May 3, and do whatever you need to to keep her from immolating herself. <laughs> yes. I was like, that la that language, I was like, gee, Spock. He's <laughs> like, this is a killing situation. Um, so Spock takes the crewmen, who I did not recognize at this point. I was just like, huh? But the two other crewmen in their ridiculous costumes out to find the ambassador and he finds the Eminarians actively pushing Fox into a disintegration chamber. Yep, they're like, here we go, here you go, and here's your lottery. Like, he's no, like, no, 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 no. Um, so Spock uh, is like, everyone like back off and everyone just kind of backs off. Like they don't want to be yep, shot, like, oh. even though they would be willing to walk into the disintegration chamber. And he's like, it's great. Um, he goes up to one of the first guys and says one of my very favorite quotes in all of Star Trek, and it has been since I was a child looking at that fucking website. Sir, there is a multi-legged creature crawling on your shoulder. And then he reaches up and it. does the Vulcan neck pinch. <laughs> he literally did a, hey, you got some. Huh? <laughs> yep. So funny. So funny. So cool. And it's also one of the few times we've seen Spock pull yes. a deception. Yes. And he's like gallant. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, step away from the chamber or you may be injured. Uh, and then just takes a fucking shot, takes out that disintegration chamber. They're down mm -hmm. two disintegration chambers now. The quotas, the quotas. The quotas. Um, <laughs> Fox is like, what are you doing? And Spock says, practicing a particular variety of diplomacy, sir. <laughs> before he destroys mm. the chamber. Um, and at this point, Fox is like, yeah, you are correct. He, Spock's like, I'm sure you realize that normal diplomatic procedures are ineffective here. And Fox is like, I have never been a soldier, <laughs> Mr. Spock, but I learned quickly. <laughs> like, you are correct. I am on board. Mm -hmm. uh, and Spock's like, very well, sir. You, like, We need all of the help we can get. And now Fox is on our side. Back in the council room, uh, with Anon Seven, Kirk is tied to a chair and under guard. Um, Anon's like, "Fuck! We are so far behind in our quotas. We are so absolutely fucked. Um, you are crazy. You're gonna destroy our civilization." But Kirk is far too masculine. He's like, I am a barbarian and I aim to make war on you. Real war. 
And Anon's like, I want you to suffer. I want you to feel the consequences. If you're going to have war, yes. he keeps being like, if you're going to have war, if don't simulate it, do it. Do it. Have the have the balls to actually commit to doing the destruction so that you yes. see the effects of it. Not this beautiful city yeah. that's hiding behind an illusion of d- death everywhere. In which there is still, there is no suggestion that even though everyone could be killed, there is clearly an upper class here in this city mm-hmm. for whom keeping things at the status quo is beneficial. Like, as yep. long as it doesn't get hit, we all get to live our fancy lives and all this stuff. And that's why I think all the extras seem so unconcerned at any given moment because they're not used to any sort of like conflict apart mm-hmm. from just, you know, oh, here's the random boodle boop, mm-hmm. you know, lottery number and these people get pulled by aunt, by, you know, cousin. But at this point, Anon is like, all right, we're calling your ship. You know, basically to be like, come the fuck down here or we're going to kill the hostages. Um, He starts up a communication with the ship. And before anyone can say anything, Kirk like leaps out of the chair and he's screaming. He's like, Scotty, execute order six, like 24 in two hours. Execute order 24. I almost said 66, but it's like the same thing. (laughs) It's inherent. It's inherent. Execute order 24. Uh, and Anon, they get him back under control and Anon's like, dude, okay, whatever the fuck that was, I don't give a shit. Your people have to start coming down in 30 minutes or we're going to kill your hostages. Like, that's what we're going to do. All right, farewell. Um, and Kirk's like, that's really funny that you gave them that ultimatum. Um, because in two hours, the ship is going to execute order 24, which means kill everyone on this planet. Proton bombs mm-hmm. are going to fall from the sky. We're going to target every fucking city and you're all going to die. We're just going to speed up what you say yeah. the Vendicars are going to do to yeah. you anyways. So what's, you know, if you say you're like doomed to, you know, destruction because of our actions, then sh- we'll just, we'll accept yeah. the consequences and we'll take it on ourselves. Cause y'all aren't going to be able to do that for your own little war here. And Anon is like, you wouldn't do this. Hundreds of millions of people. And Kirk said, I didn't start a councilman, but I'm liable to finish it because he's just so goddamn masculine. Because I'm just that twisted. Just that twisted. Um, he's like, Anon Seven has no idea what to do. He cannot think creatively. He is 4chan. He cannot think creatively. He's just like, we're, we're going to, the civilization's going to be destroyed. Uh, tell me what to do. Someone tell me what to do because this has nothing to do with what I want or don't want. Like, Kirk, you're telling me that if I don't want violence to, like, stop all this bullshit, I, it doesn't matter what I want. Vindicar is going to attack whether I like it or not. It's a fucking computer war. But Kirk is fighting uh, because all these people, they're no thoughts head empty, just computer war. So Kirk starts fighting. He lures a guard over and takes him out. And he's fighting because he's the most masculine of the masculine men. He takes everyone out in the room and he has Anon 7 at at disruptor point. And at that moment, Spock comes in just to see how badass Kirk is that he took care of it all on his own. 
pops his head and he's like, hmm, good thing I don't have to do this. I, I already tricked someone once. I don't have it in me again to, to do anything. He's like, oh, clearly I thought you would need help, but clearly not. And Kirk's like, no, 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 come help me. Uh, hey, Scotty. He calls up Scotty. He's like, hi, Scotty. Uh, sweet. So I'm pretty sure that I'm going to have all of this wrapped up in like 10 minutes. But if you don't hear from me. Yeah. Oh, my God. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. He was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. I got like 10 minutes on this if everything goes according to my plan. So like, don't worry about this. And I was like, well, they're letting me know how many minutes are left right? in the episode. He's like, whoop. Uh, so he's like, uh, but if you don't hear from me in two hours, execute order 24. Uh, and, and they're just like, what, do you know what you're doing? And Kirk's like, yes, I do. Death, destruction, disease, horror. That's what war is all about, Anon. That's what makes it a thing to be avoided. You've made it neat and painless, so neat and painless that you've had no reason to stop it. And you've had it for 500 years. Since it seems to be the only way I can save my crew and ship, I'm going to end it for you one way or another. So Spock and Kirk head over to the war computers and uh, flip some switches and destroy it. Uh, yeah. They're basically like, is that one the defense one? Yeah. Okay. If we shoot that, the rest yeah. should blow. And then they go pew. And then boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. And all of them start blowing. Kirk is about to like, get against the wall. Like, Sweet. Okay, cool. We're done. Um, and he almost, he, he has some words of wisdom at this point. More words of wisdom than he gave to the people uh, on Landry's world <laughs> in Return of the Archons, where he was literally just like, mm. it's your job now, bye. Well, I'm done. Time to go. Bye. You can take care of it. Your own shit. Um, so Anon says, you realize what you've done. And Kirk says, yes, I do. I've given you back the horrors of war. The Vendicarians now assume you've broken your agreement and that you're preparing to wage real war with real weapons. They'll want to do the same. Only the next attack they launch will do a lot more than count up numbers on a computer. They'll destroy cities, devastate your planet. You will, of course, want to retaliate. If I were you, I'd start making bombs. Yes, Councilman, you have a real war on your hands. And you can either wage it with real weapons, or you might consider an alternative. Put an end to it. Make peace? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's an option because he basically is like, they're as scared of yeah. this scenario as you are. Mm -hmm. Like they're pissing their pants just like you're pissing your pants in front of me. So I bet you, I bet you, if you like talk to them, do it. And the guy's like, well, we do have our red phone that we can pick up to call their council. We just council, haven't but done like, it for like 500 years. Jesus Christ. Like it's been centuries yeah. since we picked it up. So hopefully it works. And Kirk's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully it does. So we're yeah. going to go. Hopefully it does. Cool. Bye. Uh, Anon's like, yeah, because Anon's again like, we've admitted it to ourselves. We're a killer species. It's instinctive. You have General Order 24. You also have it. And Kirk is like, yeah, it is. But we can choose not to. You get the choice of whether or not you do yep. now. And our favorite slice of bread turned friend volunteers uh, to negotiate peace. <laughs> Fox is like, hi, I'm um, I only want to help out. And my only interest is in peace. Maybe I can help you with negotiations. Hmm? Oh, my God. Maybe these people will listen to me because you and your crew haven't listened to a single yeah. goddamn thing that I've said. You were right. Yeah. 
but you didn't listen. He's like, to I me. need a win. And if I walk away right yes, now, need, this is I a loss. I need a personal win. Because I'm a man <laughs> and I've been outmanned by Kirk and Spock, who isn't even a human. <clears throat> yeah, just yes. Masculinity saves the day yet again. <laughs> um so we go back up to the Enterprise. And Spock and Kirk have a little conversation to wrap it up. Spock says, Captain, you took a big chance. And Kirk says, did I, Mr. Spock? They've been killing 3 million people a year. And it's been going on for 500 years. An actual attack would not have killed any more people than any one of their computer attacks. But it would have ended their ability to make war. And so the fighting would have been over. Um, which is a really like clever thought, you know, just being like, well, if you do fight, there will be one battle and then neither of you are going to be able to fight anymore because you will no longer mm-hmm. have the infrastructure to, to do this, to make the computers, to make the weapons. You have to assume that like, there are still people who are benefiting from, I don't know, probably being in charge of those systems <laughs> and those computer yeah. things oh, yeah. and, and in things running orderly uh again as as spock points out the advances they were able to make because they didn't have resources dedicated to war makes sense on a scale when you're looking at just numbers Mm -hmm. but when you're dealing with fucking people it's horrifying the moment they come in from the outside and they're like i i would i would love to and we can't really have an episode that was about that agreement forming like how they chose to get to that Mm -hmm. point and what you know the logic that went to it and all that because getting people to walk into chambers the first time we're not quite at the end but i'll give my my ending thesis on this in a moment i'll 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 let you get to the to the final moments yeah our very final moments uh mccoy's like you didn't know it would work and kirk says it was a calculated risk uh, because the Eminarians keep a very orderly society and actual war is a very messy business. And I had a feeling they would do anything to avoid it, even talk peace. And Spock says, Captain, you almost make me believe in luck. And Kirk says, why, Mr. Spock, you almost make me believe in miracles. But, um, tsh- Oh, and I will point out because it just, it, it's one of those things where when I hear a phrase being said and you think of the implication behind it and the way that a word dilutes in a way some of the word, when he said, because he says it twice, he says, it's a very yes. messy business, very messy business, mm-hmm. kind of to himself again. And I'm like, a very messy business is quite the turn of mm-hmm. phrase to describe millions of people yes. dying. You know, it's it's like there's um a, a Arthur Miller play called um, an incident in Vichy, which takes place in the waiting room of a Gestapo office, and it's like thirteen men and like some guards, and they're waiting, and all these people go into the room one by one, and none of them mm-hmm. come out, and by the end, it's two people there, one person and another one, and one of them makes a run for it, and the other one just stays behind but makes the choice to, and when the end we had to do analysis of it and i kept going back like it's a really interesting title an incident to describe essentially a play about 
the horrors of the Holocaust yeah. and people, and but not just like Jews, yeah. all sorts, because it's about like one of them was a communist, one of them's a homosexual. One, so yeah. it's like he's literally going through and listing every single group that was targeted. And I just kept going like incident is yeah. a weird word. So same thing here, like business, mm-hmm. like a very messy business, but like how much of war is war profiteering and how much that word is not wrong. It just is a, it's a very, that's what it was struck me about it is like, God damn, that word really is so true. And I wonder now knowing it's a Vietnam analogy, because my idea, part of it was thinking about cold war was the analogy of, Oh, these people are the sacrifices we're willing to make by like, Oh, they're starving for us to be yeah. like Soviets and, and, and people in China during the communist revolution, yeah. like the, the, the people that died along the way and were casualties, which ironically on the reverse end capitalism has many mm-hmm. people that are caught in with its own casualties. We just don't call them out as horrors as much because we're of course trying to protect our own ass it- versus other countries where are doing horrors on. We make it look. End different. result is it's death and yeah. poverty, but we, yeah, we make look- it. We try and glisten enough so that it, yeah, it just looks different enough that you that it doesn't look exactly the same when you look at it. Um, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, here comes you know, our heroes, the leaders of democracy and stuff, willing to sacrifice an entire planet, you know, for 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 people for what peace, freedom, for the the American way, the federation way. I'm not at, at a certain point. So, here's my thesis of it I think the premise is very interesting i think revealing it at the top is a Mm -hmm. choice i then was like god we're really just slowly dealing with and repeating the same thesis we got at that very top over and over and the action isn't like the act, it's not that I need everything to be action but it was like anything that moved the plot the conflict was just we're going to have a quick talk and then I can just do the yeah. thing for the most part. And then there's a little fight at the end. But it it, it just almost like, as you mm-hmm. said, if our protagonist is, I'm just confused at what the point of it is supposed to be that our protagonist, because I thought it was going to be a mm-hmm. bluff. I thought the order really meant like, oh, order 24 is. Pretend you're going to kill everyone. Warp, warp eight, get the fuck out of here, leave yeah. us alone. You know, but I'm just going to threaten it. And we know that the Order 24 yeah. is it. But that that never happens. So I am left to assume that yeah. they were truly going to carry out a genocide on this planet if they weren't recovered. And I don't know how to deal with that it's part. It's weird. I don't know what your thesis is when you're trying to say that the sacrifices are terrible and horrific. And the cost of war, it's almost like the cost of war should be visible and seen. I also wonder if this is a response to Vietnam War mm. footage being available mm-hmm. for the first time. The the reason why the word immolated and the second time That's around true. was very evocative and specific is because of Vietnam War Nepal. imagery. And also, if you're saying Nepal, yeah. like immolated is a very targeted term when it's like they're not really being immolated. So when that word was on there, I was like, okay, this person wants us to think of the horrific parts of it. But it was just odd putting our main... Mm-hmm character and are and 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 everyone else around him being on that same agreement side of willing to sacrifice hundreds of millions of people on one side because we don't know what the vendicars mm-hmm. are going to do presumably not all it, of the people would be killed they said that they targeted they we, targeted uh all of the major cities and so it yeah, would still so it's, be but it's, a so it's genocide. just like we're entirely correct what would that world yeah 
Yeah, so it I I, I it just left me with a real It's weird, right? Unsatisfied, unresolved. Like they, you know, in in the show they just would give it with a neat little check mark. Yeah. But I'm I'm almost left more perturbed at how things were left off than than Return of the Archons, yes. where they literally just like fucked off. It was just sort of like, wow, I don't know how to deal with this. It, yeah. Like it's 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 not quite the scenario I thought was gonna play out. It feels very uh raw America. It feels very good guy with a gun. Um Yeah. And when you when you kept bringing up the masculinity yes! part of it, I hadn't really thought of it, but it's yeah. true. That is the only conclusion I can get from this is that and and again the points the chides at diplomacy, mm-hmm. but then also like that's what Kirk is trying to get them. So it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot at you to make you guys get an agreement. Mm-hmm. It's literally like Vietnam, like hey, North and South Vietnam, we're just gonna shoot at each other then so that y'all yeah. start talking. But what it does is just create more war, more death, and more destruction. Exactly. You're only igniting the next generation of people to to get rise up and be used to this situation of well, death and chaos is just a part of where we're in. It's like the opposite effect of what the people on the planet yeah. were doing where death was just a normal thing. But as he said, Kirk was like, you've made it painless. Mm-hmm. Therefore you're numb to it in that way. We're, we now in our era are so numb to war in a certain way. I think in this given moment in time, it's a little bit different. Uh, we don't have to go into you know, things right now. But, but thinking about like we see hostage war. taking, thinking yes. about using terror as a tactic. And yes. the way that Kirk uses terror, the terror of war as a tactic mm-hmm. to save himself and his ship, which one has to say, uh, fair enough. Like he really didn't think that like, like we learn at the end, he did truly believe that they would not have to carry out order. Yeah, 24. he was, he was, he was ordering it to make the yeah. threat. But he wasn't, he didn't intend on it. But, but at the still, same point, he has, it's, yeah, he, it's it the. It could have still, by saying that, it still could have happened. Someone could have killed Anon Seven and come in and Calling been a like, bluff on the brink. Yeah. It's, uh, it was a very, I mean, they were right in the end. It was a very big risk. And it is really weird how the it's show like, yeah. really rewards it. And that's my thing. That's my thing is that, and I'm just going to call it out. I don't, I'm not, you know, this is a very, I think, regressive Mm -hmm. episode. Mm -hmm. It feels fashy. Fair. It feels like this is a police procedural where use of force would be accepted and we're going to like kick down the door and shoot everyone and like just to get the hostages and, you know, maybe we'll get killed, but it's worth, it's worth us killing Mm -hmm. all, killing as many of you as we can if we get the hostages or not, yeah, because we're just we are deterred. That is we're where ending we are just this war. To He's that. liable we're ending to this. end yes. it. And this, uh, yes, this fascination, this focus on ending things. It's very death cult, mm-hmm. which is fascism. Um, yeah. it's very, it's very fascism. It's very fascist Christian end times. All of that stuff. I would, yeah, I would be very interested for some some readings of how it would have felt at the time 
you know, because I'm sure that mm -hmm. the, like, I'm sure the computer aspect would probably been like a huge novelty that'd been yes. interesting. Like, oh my God, a computer calculated war. Like, oh, that's something that people could kind of like number crunching mm -hmm. and learning that, oh, there are people, so there are people who are just punching numbers and adding it up and getting data and they're making huge decisions in our lives just based on, yeah. on all those things. And people were starting to become aware and of that. And even the question, you know, like, in the background. like thinking of the, like it, I like this episode because it raises all of those questions and I think it facilitates this mm. kind of discussion. Yeah. I like this episode because I don't agree with what Kirk did. I don't know what I would have done. I I agree yeah. that it was the right thing to do because it's an episode where it was written that that turns out to be the right thing to do. Thank you. That was what I was about to just get and summarize. Yeah. Is is that we accept it because the episode yeah. tells us to. And because accept everyone because is so happy out about a good it. Way. And the music yes. is like sort of cheerful. And because Kirk is framed in such a badass way when he's doing all of uh -huh. this masculine posturing. Oh, yeah. He gets, he gets my favorite music cue. Dun, 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 dun. He gets that one a few times. It's, yeah, and it's and it's fantastic, and it's it's sly because even watching this episode again after so many mm -hmm. years, watching it the first time, like it's fun, it's great. You root for Kirk; he's right. Like it feels like it's a simple message, but it is so far from simple. And I really wonder what I I am really interested. I would be interested to read the original screenplay. Um, yeah. And see if uh, how different Robert Hamner's ideas were, like if it sort of held together more theoretically, like with its thesis and all of that stuff in that version, because they did have to do a lot to this episode. And you can kind of tell in that, like, while I was trying to recap it, I kept getting like stuck and like my brain was foggy because I'm like, and they went to a room and people yelled at each other. And then they went to another mm -hmm. room and two other people, and people yelled just at talked each, other. To each other. Yeah. And then they changed out. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were like sort of running here and there. Like, whereas the, the main and everything important, like happens in these very specific points. You're like, Oh, okay. The beginning mm -hmm. computer war. Great. And then you have this long stretch of time with people just kind of yelling about the computer war and not yeah. so much. We don't get to see Kirk thinking tactically about no. his decision. We just get to see him no, acting no. masculinely. And yeah, like, you know, even to the point where he basically is like at points where we could have gotten a little bit of exposition, a little bit of a reveal he just basically comes in and is like, no, this is going to work out. Just yeah. give me 10 minutes. And we don't know why no. he thinks it. He just like, oh my God. We learn it later. You know, he doesn't I, have to talk yeah. about it. In the original screenplay, in addition, he falls in love with May 3. Um, oh, before well, that course. happens, of course, that was sort of thrown out because how could Captain Kirk fall in love with a woman who fully believes that it is her greatest sense of duty to walk into a disintegration chamber? Like, you don't fall in love yeah. with someone and then get to that point like that's kind of day one stuff you got to deal with if he falls in love with her then captain kirk has one of the worst damsel in yep. distress complexes that freud would he would have a field day and he also 
in in the original like he wrote that everyone in these this city everything is taken care of for them by computers which yeah. is well, yeah the there robots are robots following them doing there. everything which is a motif that was used by star wars in an episode of the mandalorian which i won't spoil that's sort of off the top it's just it's a city and, and everyone's rich and they have droids that do everything for them um and I really don't like that episode uh, for a lot of different reasons. But I think that what that episode and this episode are starting to do that. It's like, what does it look like when there is yeah. people who are so trusting of a computer? And it feels like a very 60s thing to think about. Yes. Because right now I'm like, no, but that is our lives, though. Well, but it's coming back in a way because, and as we write about this, there is talk of, you know, of executive orders from the president dealing with this issue, but yes. AI and computers making decisions through that. So there is a so weirdly in a way that part of it yeah. came back to me and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, the algorithm is yeah. what we are now. It's instead of, you know, just computer wars, it'd be an algorithm. War. Yeah. And same thing. It just literally is, well, we're just taking all this surface data and just sorting it into whatever little compartments and categorizing, mm -hmm. depersonalizing it, dehumanizing it, turning it into just zeros and ones, I think, and yeah. then saying, here's And there's what a it lot is. there that is interesting in terms of computer and computer ethics mm -hmm. and robotics. But we never got we to We never it got Because there. computer ethics, because it was and so And it's new. also very- Yeah, it, it's just a plot And they're device. very, uh, it's a, within writing Star Trek, a lot of the notes they would get back, mm -hmm. and a lot of the things Gene focused on was like, remember- this is a, a human drama. Like there are sci-fi things, but they're solved by humans doing, relating to each other humanly. Whereas yeah. like in later se seasons of Star Trek uh, or shows of Star Trek and sci-fi and stuff, we could get more into the computer. Like that's great sci-fi. Like let's talk about the mm -hmm. algorithms. Like let's talk about these computers talking to each other. Let's talk about how it feels to be in a society where everything is algorithmically determined for you. Yeah. Um, but that just wasn't what they well, were trying is, to do, unfortunately. And it's interesting because this is the type of story too, where you could reskin mm -hmm. it and you could say like, okay, it's ancient Greeks and Spartans yep. and there's, an, or they each have an Oracle, the Oracle foresees yep. a battle. And rather than fighting the battle, it just says you need to sacrifice, yeah, your troops you know, and these men and your troops and, and I, yeah, and I will go through and separate mm -hmm. them all and say, you are the ones that died and you are the ones that lived. And we live in that, yeah. like you could do like, but that's what they're using yes. it as. They're just using it as a MacGuffin to fuel other things that are yeah. going on where I think because we're in an era where computers are more advanced, yeah. I, I lean more toward being like, yeah. let's get into that. I want to get into more of that part. Like how did, how did, like I said, I want to know episode of how did this even begin? How did they feed it in? What calculations are they doing? But that's not, yeah, that is not an action driven story. That's a, that's a mental yeah. you know story and that, that isn't good on paper and isn't and good it's on also, screen yeah or better on paper than screen, and i, I think it say. is also different because you're right they had just started getting footage from vietnam like those things were very mm -hmm. new whereas like nowadays like you have to be careful to avoid seeing the horrors of war in your daily life no matter where you live even if you are not living anywhere oh, yeah. near those things they're online they're served to you so it's like i don't really need kirk yelling that war is actually hell at me for like two hours like i know yep. i know 
you are scrolling through and looking for memes, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, here's a neighborhood that got bombed. And you're like, well, fuck yeah, my life. Cool. You know, fuck their life. Fuck everything. Like, it, it really, it's, it's, and that's what I think is interesting is that's what that society was trying to prevent. They're like, we don't want these horrible, like real mm-hmm. war is horrific. That's what we're trying to avoid. And that's why, that is why to me, it is odd yeah. that our hero is trying to essentially say, well, let's get that back in there. Let's, if we're going to be brutes, if you say we're barbarians, yeah. then be fucking barbarians. And yeah. I, I can't get on board for that. That's, this episode, honestly, for me, mm-hmm. ends up being a low shelf episode, but I yeah. understand the significance of the discussion, mm-hmm. why it's interesting, but it's too, yeah. it's too man. You really nailed it. It's just too much of men doing men things to resolve issues that yep. came from men to um i think that i definitely agree with you more i think that this episode has gone down in my standing from watching it you know again and thinking of it but it's still pretty high because of yeah. that production design i can't get over the colors i can't get over oh, the, the production design was great yes it's That's so good and it was criticized like up into the book they're like it looks like uh flash gordon <laughs> and i'm like fuck you i love flash gordon sets give me the lisa frank well maybe exactly they on the flash exactly <laughs> um, so this stunning episode a, a little taste of armageddon the whole taste. I got a taste of it. Mm. I I didn't love it. Exactly. But you know what? I was exactly. Glad I tried it. Not not our fave, but you know. Um. And next week, or rather, the week after. Um. But I don't know when you all will be listening to this. The next episode we're gonna watch together, Missy, is the first episode of Star Trek I ever saw in my entire life. <gasps> this is the episode that started it all. Emily. Emily, Emily, I cannot wait. Give me the title. This me the title. Me the title. side of paradise. Oh boy. Okay. So I know because we didn't address it before. I did last week guess certain elements of it, but no, didn't get nowhere near <laughs> into the self suicide part. I they definitely like the they yeah. land on a planet that's at war and they're going to get involved. That, that that happened, but I never would have thought that's the direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this side of paradise. I mean, my first assumption is mm-hmm. again landing on a planet, and it's going to appear. It's going to appear like it is a paradise place, but it, obviously something's going to be hidden on it. I don't know if it's literally like half of a planet is like a hell spawn disastrous wasteland and the other half is oh. perfect. Like, oh. oh, the planet doesn't rotate. And so this one side's okay. towards the sun kind of bullshit. I love that. You know, and, um, but I, or it's something where it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they do this a lot. So I don't want to like run into, but, um, you know, it's an illusion they're illusion creatures or something and so it's not as great as it is so maybe the whole planet is actually mm-hmm. like a shithole and we're just making yeah. it look great i'm i that 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 was the first thing i thought of but it wasn't it didn't want to be my guess because I, I wanted to be more than that i'm just hoping it's something that's a little mm-hmm. not just illusion because we've had that before but some of the best episodes do deal with that. So just because they touch on a theme in one episode doesn't mean they can't return to it. Oh, again and they will. And like, <laughs> oh, and they do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm excited. Um, but I love that. Fantastic guess. I'm so 
so excited to talk about this one. This episode is also going to have some fun behind the scenes stuff that was happening amongst the sci-fi writers at the time. Um, It's a fun little part that was happening like as this episode came out. Uh, And I'm so excited. Oh, the drama. Captain Emily, I will enjoy being with you again. You enjoy going to a place that has the That's other true. Star place, to Disneyland, Star to the Wars Star Wars, Wars Land. I'm so I've excited. not been, because I went, <gasps> do you know what? I went in Disneyland <gasps> in November of 2019. It was shitty though, was right? There, but like, it's like, you know what? Rise of Resistance isn't in yet. I'll just wait oh, until no. that gets put in, and then surely I'll be back here at a reasonable oh, time. No. Oh, wait. But at the same point, honestly, yeah. honestly, I am fine. I'm much <laughs> rather would wait and go when there's Rise of the Resistance. I didn't, we look because we're like, I don't want to go all the way through the end of the park mm-hmm. and to take all this time walking to get there if it's just these things. I'll see you later. Yes. Enjoy that, please. And we'll, we'll get a report back I'm on the other so side. So excited. Missy, my dear. Until I see you on this side of paradise, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Um, I need, I'm, I really quickly need to, yes, I would like to fucking mute this conversation. Uh, yeah. I'll like, I turned my phone, I turned my phone on like silent. So mm-hmm. that it wouldn't do that to me, but because it's connected to the computer, the computer is notifying me through the fucking headphones. Oh, beep, it's like Scott Ackerman on beep. Comedy Bang Bang when he has do not disturb. He swears he has do not disturb on, and then all yeah. of a sudden he gets stuff. He's like, "Oh, there's that ding." It's still happening. I'm going crazy. <laughs> this is going to be a great outtake. I'm so excited I'm... to put this at the end. Everyone hearing Emily going crazy <laughs> at dings that we can't hear. Nope. But I can't, here we go. Hide alerts. Wonderful. Perfect. Okay. (laughs) Now I see why we are all barbarians, Uh, (laughs) which is a line we'll get to. So, kitty. Um, Oh my God. So normally outdoor kitty. So he's very frustrated at how cold the weather has gotten. Oh, that poor guy. Missy, why are you doing this to that cat? I know. It's so mean of me to change the weather. Why are you doing this? Why are you changing the climate? He's so vaguely annoyed that I'm holding him and rubbing him, but he's also like vague and hurting. So do you want to go back out, buddy? Cutie. Do you want to go out? Okay. (laughs) He literally jumps into the window that's next to me if he walks back in. Oh. I already already let him in earlier during the recording. (laughs) It's amazing. I'll sit here and I'll hear a slight little and I look, I'm like, oh, and he's at the window and he'll just go open his mouth and I'm sure he's meowing, but I don't hear it so it's like okay, time to let you in all right um, amazing, so I'm so sorry, I, I hit the desk emphatically oh, fine. and somehow doing so has unplugged this monitor Emily, how dare, how dare you flash me your clothed chest in the camera and make it a priority so I can read what your t-shirt says. Oh, it says, uh... Poisoning, I have like oil, it's pretty deadly, I loved it. I was actually just reading it. (laughs) Um, and I cannot see you, but I can hear you. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, there you are. Good, I'm putting socks on so you would see my gross feet anyways. Okay, I just have you on a smaller screen. 